Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome to, or welcome back to Gardening Naturally. Going to be a hot day today. No big chance of rain, but some of us may get a sprinkle or two. They're hoping that we don't get uh, severe storms. We don't know. The, the weather reports are talking hundreds of an inch to tenths of an inch. We'll take it. Every drop is a benefit, okay? What are we doing in the meantime? Well, today I have to pot up tomatoes. Started tomatoes for the fall. They're now almost six inches tall, and they need more growing space than they're in the start tray right now. So I'm going to pot those up and have those ready for when the fall weather becomes more conducive for tomatoes. Those of you who wanted cukes, squashes, um, usually summer squashes, it's a good time to pot those up. They take, or to start them by seeds, they take such a short amount of time to get going that you could be starting them now to get a head start so that when the temperatures are finally reasonable, maybe when we finally start getting rain, that you have them ready to go in the ground so that they will be quick to produce. There are Lots of flowers that we want in the fall that you can go and get the seeds to. Um, Calendula is a good fall performer and seeds are readily available, all kinds of sizes and colors. Zinnias, there's lots of plants that you could start now by seed and have them ready to go in the ground when the weather breaks. Two things happen that way when you do them by seed. You don't have to be out in this heat, but you are still getting things ready. You are effectively becoming a nursery. In early fall, when the weather is nice, the nurseries are going to get inundated with people coming to get a break. They want more blooming flowers. They want more veggies. They want lots of plants that are doing well that haven't survived the heat. Well, if you start the plant, you don't have to go to the nursery to get it. Now, you may not be able to start your own tree or you may not be able to start your 
crepe myrtle or plants like that. But for some of these flowers and things, it's so easy to do. It's a great learning experience. If you got kids, let them see where these things come from. Um, it's going to be a while. A while is a polite word for saying it's not going to rain. The weather's not going to break in August. It will be later in September. That's an issue for some of us. But uh, I would rather not be out in this heat. I, um, I've done, I have done my time working around my ankles in this kind of heat trying to garden. Not so sure I want to do that anymore. Um, I'm getting well-seasoned as an individual, and it is just... Uh, just uh, too hot, too hot. So look and start planning. So you can turn around and be ready to quickly recover from the brown. We can have color again in our landscape instead of just brown everywhere. And uh, that's, that's really encouraging. That, that really helps us recover personally, personally from this kind of devastating environment that we've dealt with. So if you aren't, if you aren't uh, up for going out there, up for doing battle in the heat, so much gardening can be done inside. It doesn't take up enough, a lot of space. It's not a mess. And you still get to select which plants that you want to have. Now, a couple of people have texted to say, don't forget the hummingbird feeders. Most of my hummingbird plants, they're still producing blooms. So they are still providing food for the hummers. But I put up a, um, a feeder recently simply because it didn't look like the blooms, even with supplemental water, were enough. I was concerned that maybe that having a feeder would help them manage in this kind of heat. Don't forget when doing a hummingbird feeder, you do not need red food coloring. You do not need to buy hummingbird feed. 
you only need four to one. Four cups of water, one cup of sugar. Dissolve it well, and you can keep it in the fridge for up to a week. Only use what you need each day. That really is the better way, is to rinse that thing out every day. You really can't leave it for several days because it'll ferment and the alcohol will kill the Hummers. But we do um, hummingbird nectar when we need it. We keep a jar full of it in the refrigerator and we've got it worked out that the amount that we make for that week happens to run out in a week. I find it hilarious, though, that the Hummers can find food in lots of places. But they always, two Hummers, always want to do battle with each other and just can't share. So we stuck up a feeder to make sure everybody was getting food. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> what are we doing in the planning stages here for when the weather breaks. And you know, everybody knows that, that everybody is happier. We get people, more people outside to go out and enjoy, you know, the, the trails fill up with people taking a walk to being exposed to nature again. That can, that can really make a difference to our attitude and to how we feel. So once we do get that break, what are your plans? To get back out in the garden? To put in some new flowers? Whatever it is, you, there is no work you really need to do in the garden right this minute. Still get texts about, um, should I go out and fertilize X, Y, or Z? No, you should not. You should not. In this kind of heat, with this kind of stress, more nutrients are not what plants are looking for. So... What we're, what our rush to go out there, well, I want to go trim. Why do you want to go trim in this heat? Your plants are not suffering if they have stuff that needs to be trimmed off. It's not that big a deal to the plant. You have to remember, especially with our native plants, there's no little garden gnome out there in the wild taking care of them. 
Your plants are not going to suffer because you didn't get them pruned down. And they sure aren't going to suffer because you didn't fertilize them in this weather. So this is planning time. Observe what is taking a beating. Observe what isn't doing well on your property. Start to observe what the soil is like. Because you may have plants that because of the changing climate, because of the way our environment has been changing, that aren't happy anymore. Do you work really hard to provide them what they want? Or do you consider replacing them with plants that are more adapted to this kind of weather? You do not need um, to have a narrow window of what can be beautiful flowers on your landscape. There are so many native plants that have just gorgeous blooms on them that do very well in the dry weather, less water, poor soil, lots of plants that you can use in that environment to get the blooms you're looking for and not have to worry about going out and watering them. Now, I have a couple of plants that I consider bulletproof in terms of not needing water, and that's the mountain laurel. Once my mountain laurels got established, and I have ones that are Gosh, how long has that been there? 20 years. I have never supplemental watered it. They survive on the water that falls from the sky, period. They're growing, they're large, they bloom, they're happy. I have more problems with bugs interrupting the bloom cycle than I do this kind of weather. They are a wonderful choice because of their drought tolerance. And they're so pretty with that beautiful, great knee-high scent. They're a good privacy screen. Yeah, they're slow-growing, but they do grow. I have great myrtles that are 40 years old, 30 feet tall. Mm. Yeah, 30 feet tall. They bloom. They do great. I do not trim them, and I do not provide them supplemental water, and they go on about their business. Now, I've got one that the leaves are turning that orangey-yellow a little early this year, and I don't blame it from the heat. I, uh, I, I don't blame it from the heat. And when a crepe myrtle changes to that orangey-yellow color, it's very, very pretty. But um, it's, just, uh, it's just such a bulletproof plant. I know people are like, eh, another crepe myrtle. Ugh. But they can, they can be quite industrial. They don't require a great deal of care. 
and they don't necessarily require a great deal of water. Let's go to the phone. This is Javi. What can I do for you? Jeff, I'm trying to get some little plants going, and I was wondering, the little uh, seed starts that I get going, is it, um, you know, you're always talk, talking about sizing up plants to the proper pot size. If I start out, uh, can I put the little start in a in a five-gallon bucket, or is that too big? Should I start with, like, a four-inch, you know, container or something? Uh, you can use the five-gallon bucket, and you can probably put more than one start in it. Okay. So, you know, depending on how how they size out for you. they You don't want them to overrun each other, but sure. if, they're, if you're arguing of uh, putting them in a four-inch start versus yeah. a five-gallon bucket, you can get a lot more than just one in the five-gallon bucket. Okay. So, like a community pot, you call them, I guess, or yeah. something? Right. Yeah. Uh, that That's a good way to care for them. You know, it's only one place you got to deal with. Well, um, right now, I have a starter tray, and the little start cubes are only two-inch by two-inch. Right. I'm going to be potting them up into four-inch or larger containers i got a ton of them from buying plants and uh that should probably be enough to get me through until the weather's nice enough to plant them but if i need if i need more i've got next size up nursery pots from previous purchases and i can just keep potting it up until it's time to get them in the ground i see I've been, when it's got time, another little question. I drive up to San Antonio regularly from, you know, Victoria area. And I see on the side around these fence rows and some of these, you know, unattended pastures, this really tall, silvery, uh, green weed that seems that's growing uprise winter. If you had any idea what that, what that is. Does it look kind of like a Q-tip? The top of the plant's real light colored and the bottom of it's green. No, it's completely this silver gray, um, you know, striking, you know, monocolored plant, you know, straight up kind of like a sunflower, but I don't see any flowers, really. It's just all these real kind of gray, um, steel-colored you know, leaves. You know, um, it may be a plant that goes by the name of poverty weed. Poverty um, weed. Gosh, what is the the Latin name for it? Um, Bacchus, maybe? And it is, the pros and cons of it, it is, it, it can be very striking. Yes. The bad news is you don't want to grow it near your home, not too huh. close, because it's a, a fire hazard. Oh, it is I a plant that, that will burn really quickly. Uh-huh. But, yes, uh, this is the time of the year for it. They get fairly tall. They are striking. They they can look really good. Um, I don't know if you would ever find seeds for it, mm-hmm. but um, they, they get carried by birds and wind and usually like really poor soil. Yeah, it's, this is fence lines and, and kind of looks like undeveloped pastures. Mm-hmm. 
areas of it. Well, thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Yeah, good day. I'm always listening. You too. Thanks for the call. Yeah, folks, that poverty weed is is a striking plant, but it's a fire risk. It burns really easy. So you want to keep it cut down if you have it growing near your home. This is Gardening Naturally. We're coming up to the bottom of the hour. We're going to break for the news. Ricardo, I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Ricardo. Ricardo, what can I help you with? Yes, yes. Thank you. Um, My roses, uh, some of the branches are dying from the bottom up. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to know if I need to feed them, and if I if I, I wanted to cut those pieces that are dying so I can cut it into six inch pieces and stick it into ground and see if I can get new roses. And also, okay. uh, I have bougainvilleas that are blooming, and I wanted to know if I can feed them too. First off, in this heat. Right now, the roses don't need fertilizing. If When the weather breaks, when we get cooler weather, when we start getting rain again, that would be a good time to fertilize. They're so stressed from the heat, they're not really going to be looking for food at the moment. Can you cut the branches, stick them in the ground, and try to get them to, to root? Yes, you can do that. It would be better if you had some of that uh, rooting hormone. Stick the, the plant tip into the rooting hormone, stick it in the soil, and it improves its odds of starting a new plant. Uh, it's going to need a little bit of water when you do this. Don't let them get too dry. But, yes, you can start new roses from the cuttings. How about the bougainvillea? I feed him? Um, not necessarily. If you wanted to do col- if you wanted to put on new color again, it would be best to trim it back about, oh, I don't know, maybe six inches. Cut it back maybe six inches, and that will encourage you to put on new bl- color. Uh, a little fertilizer will also help it. So cut it back a little and just a small amount of fertilizer and you will see it start to put on new color for you pretty quickly. They are blooming right now. I have color on, on them. So I, I wanted to know if I could use. No, you you want to let them bloom out. If they already have color, wait until the color is gone, then trim them, a little bit of fertilizer, and they'll bloom again for you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Ricardo. Yeah, folks, bougainvilleas. Put on that color. 
when the color is gone, when those leaves start falling off, trim them back about those six inches and a little bit of fertilizer, and that will cause them to put on another bloom for you. Every time they bloom and the bloom finishes, you should be doing that. That way you will always have good color coming on the bougainvilleas. Let's go to the phone. Uh, this is Barbara. Barbara, what can I help you with? Hi, Jeff. Um, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm going to ask another question about roses. I can't tell if my rose bush is alive or not. It seems like uh, most of the little branches are brittle. And um, it's a knockout rose. It's probably about nine years old, and it's about maybe three feet tall. Uh, number no, one. I can't tell. Yeah. You want to cut off all that dead stuff. You, you don't need to do it this minute, okay? Wait till the cooler uh-huh. part of the day or a cooler day. But cut off all the dead stuff. Then you want to take a close look at the the bigger stems that are still on the plant. Are they green? If you scratch the bark on them, is it green underneath them? Um, in this weather, I think I lost one of my knockout roses simply because I refused to water it. But they have come back. I have had them come back under worse conditions. So trim off the dead when the weather gets reasonable. And then check the bigger stems. See if they're still green. Scratch off some of the bark on them to see if there's still any green underneath. If there is, that means it's still alive and you can recover it. And it will probably recover once we get out of this nasty weather. Great. Well, that's very helpful. I was glad the guy called before to ask good questions about things I had concerns about. So I got well, some of my other things answered. <clears throat> Barbara, there, I have some bad news for you. There is uh, a rose disease. It's a virus. We don't have any real cure for it. And it can really devastate your roses. And we thought that knockout roses were immune to it, that we didn't have a problem of this disease affecting knockout roses. But in fact, it can. That doesn't mean you've got it. I'm I'm not implying that you have this disease. But it's something you have to consider. So if you trim it up, and you find out that, yeah, there's still some green growing there, as it recovers and puts on new growth, it should look nice and healthy. But if it looks terrible putting on that new growth, uh, you may have that disease. It's called rose rosette disease. And it'll, it'll make it look really bad. There's no cure you may wind up having to replace it. I'm simply telling you the absolute worst case scenario. I don't think you've got that, but I just need you to be aware that if you clean this up, we get good weather, it starts to grow back, 
it should grow back and look good. You should get nice leaves, good stems, things like that. Well, in the worst case scenario, if it were something like that, would it be, I mean, would you need to not plant another rose bush in the same place because it would have some kind of residual disease? No, No, but you would want to try to track ones down that are resistant to it. Just okay. to reduce the risk, um, it, it, it's it's something new here. It's not really new. We've known about it for almost ten years now, but it is a real issue. We're trying to make sure that we have a solution for this, and they are trying to breed roses that are not susceptible to this disease. And they're just as beautiful. The only problem is, like you, I've got roses that have been in the ground 10, 15 years, and I don't particularly want to have to replace them. I'm simply telling you that just keep an eye out for how it comes back, okay? I think it'll be fine. If it has any green left in it at all, I think it will recover. The sooner we get better weather, the more sure I am that it will recover. But if we were to have another month of this, I have no idea what's going to happen to our plants. Boy, I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, you and <laughs> me, you and me both. Away. <laughs> I think yep. it's affecting our brains and our skin and everything else. It's really a rough year. <clears throat> yes, ma'am. Just the dryness, the dryness and the dust is just everywhere. Yeah, yep, I'm just and go to church and, and pray for rain right now. <laughs> well, it, it's getting to be depressing, and that is never a good thing. No, it's not. It's not good to be depressed, for sure. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you for all your information that you share with us, and thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for the call. Yeah, folks, this weather is definitely depressing. Let's go to the phone. This is Bob. Bob, what can I help you with? Jeff, you were talking about watering uh, recently, and and I've mulched all my fruit trees and some of my younger trees, and with probably about two inches of mulch, now I'm concerned that I need twice as much water to get through the mulch and then down into the roots. What's your thought? Do you? Do you? Have you pulled, have you watered and the next day, like, pulled the mulch back a little bit and see what the soil moisture is? Well, you keep saying that. No, I have not. Okay. It, there are types of mulch. Um, I'm not going to mention them because they actually have brand names. There are some that when you water them, they'll start to compact. But you can simply take a rake and kind of pluff them. You know what I mean? Yep. Just run the rake through it to loosen it up a little bit. But if you just put mulch down, go ahead and when you do your watering the next day, go out there, pull off a little section of mulch, enough to where you can get down to where you can see the soil and see how wet the soil is. I'm betting that you're getting the water there. 
I don't think that the mulch is winding up, soaking up all of that water. It's allowing it to percolate through it. There are some mulches that after too long on the ground will compact, and they don't flow water as well. Like I said, it's easy to fix, so just kind of rake through them a little bit to break them up again, and they'll serve their purpose, and they still let water go to the soil. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is just uh, ground-up trees, you know, you know yep. put them in those huge grinders and that type of that type of mulch. So it's not store-bought. It's just, you know, bulk. Get right. around wood. I, I've got a pile of mulch in my property that are a bunch of old trees that we ground up, and the pile has been here like three years. And today, if I went out there and dug into it, there would still be moisture in it. I'd have to dig a little bit, but it, it it's doing a great job. But it is not stopping water from reaching the soil. It is holding that water, though, once it gets in there. And that's the goal you're looking for. Right, right. All right, well, yeah, I'll do what you say. I'll go check out the, the moisture content now. Thanks, thanks for your info, Jeff. Thanks for the call, Bob. Uh, folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Um, let's uh, let's. look at the question that Bob brought up. If you put down all this mulch, how much does it inhibit the water from getting to the soil? That's a valid question. Some mulches, particularly ones that are really finely shredded, and as they get older, they can mat and they don't block all of the water, but they won't let water flow through as freely as you would like them to. There is a really simple way to address this. If you think this is going on, take your rake and simply kind of rough up the mulch, fluff it up a little bit, uh, and see uh, see if it will raise up. It should become thicker and taller and more gaps in it. So it's still doing its job of covering the soil and preserving the soil moisture, and it's still blocking sunlight. This helps keep the soil cooler and keeps the weeds from germinating but it'll still let the water through. If you really think it's blocking the water too much, do a normal watering. The next day, 24 hours later, come out there, pull a little bit of the mulch away and see if the soil is wet underneath. Now, two things could be happening here. You may not have been watering enough in the first place 
to get water to the soil. Simply a lack of quantity, a lack of enough water to go through the mulch. Too little water and the mulch is going to soak up a bunch of it. The other problem is, is that if it's well compacted and you water, it's going to have trouble getting water to the soil. Simple things to fix, simple things to verify are, is your water staying in the soil? Is the mulch letting the water through to water your plants? Usually it is. There are rare situations where the mulch gets so compacted that it doesn't appear to let as much water through. So you have to kind of fight that a little bit. You do need to check it. It's really important to check it because in this heat, you may be winding up not getting enough water to the plant. When you think you're putting down the right amount, maybe it's not getting there. So occasionally, pull the mulch back a little bit, take a little peek, see if the soil is wet. And if it is, you're fine. If it isn't, fluff up the mulch. That makes it a little thicker, that makes lots of gaps in it, that lets the water drain through. Um, this, is a, this is a great question because you gotta kinda wonder what the heck that thing is. Let's say you buy a soaker hose, right? It's usually ground up car tires and it should sweat water. There should never be spraying water from a soaker hose. It should sweat it out, just light dripping. So you buy the garden, you buy the soaker hose and you go to hook it up to water and you notice in the end of the hose, in the fitting, there's this little blue disc that has a tiny hole in the middle of it. That is a pressure regulator. Yeah, that seems kind of silly, but your garden hose, your garden um, faucet may provide so much water that it pressurizes the inside of the hose and can make it start breaking the glue of all those little pieces and you're gonna start getting these little spray fountains, which you don't want. And it can actually break the hose completely. So that little blue ring is a inexpensive pressure reducer. And you should leave it in the hose. That little hose, that little reducer makes the hose fill much slower, agreed. I know that's kind of frustrating, but once the hose is filled, it prevents it from being overpressurized and causing, uh, causing the hose to break or leak. 
So don't forget it. It's uh, it, it it's very very important. Cheap way for them to do that, and it does make the hose last longer. It does make the hose last longer. And speaking of the soaker hoses, sunlight breaks them down. So if you're going to put them in a bed, put mulch on top of them. Cover them with the mulch so that they don't get sunshine. The sunlight, the UV light will break down the hose and cause it to start cracking and splitting and leaking and possibly breaking. Soaker hoses can be very effective. They're just not very long lasting. Couple of years, you're doing good. If it's still working and not leaking and spraying fountains out, it's, usually able to manage those two years. And it will last a little longer, like I said, if you can cover it with mulch. You do not want to expose the soaker hose to sunlight if you can prevent it. Sun breaks down the materials that the hose are made out of. And the hose can break. The hose can leak. It is not possible to take a soaker hose, hook it up, and know how many gallons of water is coming out of it. You'll notice they don't put that number anywhere on the hose. Because of the way it's built, no two soaker hoses have holes in the exact same places. So you really have to run a soaker hose for a set amount of time Then go outside and check how deep did that water go? How wide is the path around the hose? That's the only way you're going to know how well the soaker hose is working. It's not the most efficient method, but it is a great way with low loss to get water to your plants. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Um going to be it for the day. I will talk to you all again next Saturday at 9 a.m.